If you will this morning, turn with me to our text. Our text is found in the first letter to Timothy. Last chapter, chapter 6 and verse 12. It's 1 Timothy 6, 12. And it reads this way. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how faithful thou art, how merciful thou art. I thank you, Lord, that thou hast brought us here today and all that you have brought. And I thank you, Lord, for thy faithfulness to do so. I pray according to that faithfulness now, Lord, that you would be pleased to rid our minds of all the things going on in this world and the things going on in our lives and that you would bring us captive to thy feet, that you would be pleased to sit us at thy feet to be instructed out of thy holy word. Lord, show us today as we look at this passage that Paul spoke to Timothy and to thy people. We pray, O Lord, you would make it effectual, that you would give us an understanding that you would reveal to us what the fight is and what the prize is. O Lord, to thee be all glory, great things truly thou hast done. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning in our text, we're going to focus mostly on the first two statements, the two parts of our text, which are fight the good fight of faith and the lay hold on eternal life. This is a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Actually, it's to the elect. But it's pastoral in its instruction to Timothy. And and in verse 11, we'll just back up one. He says, But thou, O man of God. I thought about that this week as I was looking at this passage. You know, Timothy being called to preach the gospel. Um But truly, in a sense, in a real sense, we are all in this category, O man of God. If we're born of the Spirit, we are a man or female of God, um, of God's birth, of God's choosing, of God's election. So we know that the words that are coming to Timothy this morning are the same words that come to the church as it's addressed to the church as well as to the elect that are in this room. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. And you can see and and feel the loving exhortation. It's just as you'll you'll see today as as he calls Timothy a son in the faith. I can I can as I read those words, I can immerse myself into that. I can I can see and feel the very words that I would say these words to my sons, my daughters, my wife. I would say these things. I would say, flee. Um, flee these things. And those are the things that he just mentioned up at the top. The love of the money, of which is the root of all evil. Um, some other disputings of men with corrupt minds up at the top. Um, a lot of attachment to this world. And the loving exhortation comes from Paul to flee these things. And then says, follow after these things. 
And if you're like me, truly, when you read what those things are, the first thing that comes to my mind is that's Christ. Follow after Christ. Follow after righteousness. Not my own, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, all of these fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit reveals to us of Christ's faith, of Christ's righteousness, of Christ's love of Christ's long-suffering or patience, of Christ's meekness. So the love that you hear in in Paul's words to Timothy is flee these things in the world and lay hold or grab on to these things. Follow after these things. You'll see that whole motif going through everything that's said today is that there is a walk and a life and a fight Because then he goes into our text and he says, fight the good fight of faith. And there's three things I want to touch on in this this little phrase, fight the good fight of faith. Three things I want to talk about. The first one is, it is truly a fight. It is a fight. The second one is, what Paul says here, and I think we miss it all the time, it's faith's fight. It's not my fight. It's not your fight. It's faith's fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And lastly, that it is truly a good fight. And that's just in this section. And then we'll get to the last section. But the first thing I want to look for look at is it truly is a fight. But the words translated here is the same word that Paul uses in other places that strive and race. All three of those are interchangeable. So you could read this and say, race the good race of faith. Strive at the good striving of faith. And it reminds me of what Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. It's the same word. Fight to enter in at the faith at the straight gate. And when we hear these things, A child of God has two reactions to it. One, he knows his helplessness. He knows his inability to fight among himself, but he also knows it is an injunction. It is a command. It is the Lord saying, fight! And he doesn't recoil from that. Because that's what the whole text tells us today, is the Lord does not leave us to fight on ourselves, or by ourselves, and without any armor, or without any way to fight so when he says fight it's a call to arms it's a call to understand that the race and what we live in this life there is a good fight and that's what I want you to understand first that it's truly a fight there is a warfare that goes in this life to every child of God if you just hold your finger there and turn back a couple of pages where this letter started in the first chapter You'll see where he first introduces this to Timothy. In verse 18, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, son in the faith, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. What have you heard, Timothy? What have you been taught? We're told in another place that he was instructed in the Scriptures by his grandmother and those in his... his, And the Scriptures had to be the Old Testament. That's all they had. So 
The Old Testament, too, speaks of Christ. Of course it does. And so he tells Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, by them, by the Word of God, which we see later when when we talk about the armor, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have a weapon in this fight. And it's the beautiful words that are set before you in these pages. The words that testify of Christ. That's what Jesus said. They testify of me. I come in the volume. Lo, I come in the volume of the book that's written of me. That thou by them mightest war a good warfare. A good warfare. This life is a warfare. Holding faith and a good conscience. Oh boy, to have a clear conscience before God. And you hear men say that all the time. Well, my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear. I wash my hands of this situation. My conscience is clear. I've done everything I can do. That's not what he's talking about here. Faith that lays hold of Christ and the mind of Christ the conscience is clear before God because it stands in the righteousness of Christ. It stands in the justification of Christ and what He's done. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some have put away. Some what? Some who have professed faith. Some who have professed to be believers. They've put it away out of their lives. The fight didn't last long, Paul said. It's an enduring fight. It's a warfare fight. But some put it away as if it was nothing. Away concerning uh, faith have made shipwreck of whom, he names two people, Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. You say, well, I know what blaspheming is. Do you? Because these two lived by a faith. And they believed that faith was the faith of the Son of God, so they said. But it didn't produce the faith of of the Son of God. That's what you'll see today. What does it produce? What is it? If truly we are called to fight, and then we're told in our text today that it's the fight of faith, What is faith fighting on our behalf? You want to know that? Come with me. Lord willing, we'll see that in the Scriptures today. Now turn turn back over to 2 Timothy. We'll just go forward a few pages. Once again, establishing what he said, this is a fight. It, It runs all throughout these letters. In 2 Timothy 2, if we just begin at the very first part of 2, he says... Thou therefore my son again. You just feel the love. The love that he had for Timothy. Timothy being a son in the faith. Someone that that had the same Lord and faith and baptism as Paul. He says, oh, my son, be strong in the grace. Not be strong in grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was adamant and zealous to always turn us back to Christ. That we are His workmanship. That we're found in Christ Jesus. That everything we do is be, that's good is because of Him. 
all of our obedience. And we must have obedience. But it's faith's obedience. It's not ours. Our obedience strives unto works to please a man. Or please God, which is what he's going to say here. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's what Jesus said. Let your light shine that others may glorify the Father which is in heaven. When they hear, not glorify you, but what is it that you stand on? What is it that you profess? Thou therefore endure hardness. That's life. That's this warfare. That's the warfare we have every day against our flesh, against Satan, against the world, and against sin. Every day we fight against those things. Every day. But we know these scriptures testify that the victory is in Christ Jesus. When He came out of that grave, after accomplishing all on the cross, when He came out of that grave, He defeated every one of those enemies. That none of them will ever have a hold and a dominion on the child of God. Endure hardness as a good good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then he says something to us that, that hits us right, right in our conscience because it's something we get caught up in. No man that warreth entangleth the war that he's been speaking of. The good fight. No man who wars this fight entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Oh, how much we get entangled by the affairs of this life. When we read the headlines, when we read the things going on in the world, we immerse ourselves into them. What are we forgetting? The reigning king. The one who's put all of those enemies under his feet. Paul says, this is astounding words. Our warfare in this life is not to be entangled with the world going around us. Our life's a vapor. Our pilgrimage here is a vapor. Faith lays hold of eternal life. That's what our passage tells us. The fight of faith says, here's eternal life. Look at what you have in Christ eternally. Not your blip in time that you're here on earth. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him, who is him, well, we'll tell you, who has chosen him to be a soldier. He just told, you're a soldier of Jesus Christ. You cannot please Christ by getting involved with the things of this world. A world that he's in total control of. Think about that a minute. And that's our unbelief, which we'll talk about later. That's our unbelief. We don't believe Him that He's reigning. We don't believe that He's working all things for our good. We don't. You know what does though? His faith. That's the fight of faith. The fight of faith comes and says, I believe Him. I believe what He says is true. I believe that He's performed all things for me. I believe that He's put every enemy under His foot. And if any man strive, that's that same word again, fight, race, for masteries. Yet is he not crowned 
except he race or fight lawfully? There's a lawful fight. There's a right fight that we fight in this life. And it is the fight of faith. It's faith's fight. Anything other than that is unlawful. And it's not pleasing and not acceptable to the Lord. Turn with me over as we leave Timothy for a few minutes. We're, we're going to be going to a few places. But in 1 Corinthians 9. told you these words were interchangeable. So, Paul uses strive in this passage, and he uses the word race. But look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25. 24. Let's back up to 24. Know you not that they which run in a race, in a fight, run all? But one receiveth the prize. So run. So fight. So strive that you may obtain. What is that? And every man that striveth or races or fighteth for the mastery is temperate, moderate, has control in all things. Do you ever look at your life or look at how you react to things as you're reactionary in this life and say, boy, I lack self-control there? You know that's a fruit of the Spirit. That's what temperance is. That's what the Lord gives His children. That's why they can look in in the face of, of trials and look at the face of hardship and say, Yes, Lord, for it's good in your eyes. It seemeth good to Thee, Lord. Every man that striveth for the Master is temperate in all things. Now they do it. They, the world, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. We see that every day in life. Man strives for money, for titles, for fame, for fortune. Where's the glory of Christ in that? There is none. That's what the world does. If you find that your strife every day is to better your your financial condition in this world or the things that you have, if that's all you have, Paul says, that's what the world does. You're going after a corruptible crown. One that will be destroyed. That's what corruption does. It returns back to the earth. It's earthy. But we, the children of God, an incorruptible crown. What is that incorruptible crown? It's eternal life. It's eternal union and life with our triune Lord and all the saints. I therefore so run, I fight, I race, I run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I don't fight like I don't have a prize. I don't fight just to fight. Faith's fight lays hold of eternity. It lays hold of Christ. It has a reason for fighting. But I keep my body and bring it into subjection. Why did Paul say that? He lives in the body. He lives in a body. We like to throw that that, uh, phrase around. Whatever it takes. That's what Paul's saying. 
We've heard of the thorn in the flesh. They argue all the time. Is that physical? Is it spiritual? Is this what Paul's saying? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? Well, this warfare is spiritual. But it affects our physical nature and how we walk and where we go and what we do. The Lord in His work in our lives doesn't, our bodies then don't run into sin. The fight is, He says here, I keep my body and bring it into subjection. I'm not going where there's sin. I'm not going where I can be tempted. I'm not. Who does that? The fight of faith. That's what faith does. That's what Christ does for his people as a good and great shepherd of the soul. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul, how can you be a castaway? Do you know how strong your faith is? Do you know you know what this is? That's the warfare. Constantly. Constantly. I was talking to David this week and we were talking about speaking in public and he says he said to me, Dad, I, I don't know how you do it up there on Sundays. And Steph like, well, hey, it's been a struggle for him. That's right. I'm not a public speaker. But I don't worry about those things anymore. But I do worry about this. I worry about being left to myself. It's my biggest fear is being a castaway. That the Lord leaves me for a time and I'm left to sit here and babble in my own knowledge or my own understanding of things. I don't want to tell you how I understand things. I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit says in these words. That's what's important to me. That's what Paul's worried about. I don't, I don't want to misrepresent myself as preaching the word. I don't want to be a castaway. There is a fight of faith. But as I said earlier, as we go back to our text now, as I said earlier, this fight, there's good news. This is the news of the good news of the gospel. It's faith's fight. We know in Hebrews, I'm sorry, in Ephesians 2, we're told that faith is a gift of God. We all know that. We've read that many times. We understand faith is God's gift. And Paul tells us in our text that it's the fight of faith. So the gift of God fights for us. That's how good that gift is. That's how powerful that gift is. That's how, that's how, for lack of a better term, wonderful that gift is. Now in Galatians 2.20, which you know I like to quote a lot, Paul says this about that faith. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Faith leads you to see that you were crucified with Christ. It magnifies the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and says, you died with Him. He not only died for you, but you died with Him. What He was dead to, the world and sin and everything else, you as a child of God are dead to it. That's what... I am crucified with Christ means. Nevertheless, I live. Paul, how do you live? How do you race? How do you fight? Well, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That's a fighting faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God 
I don't live by my faith, telling everybody how strong my faith is. My faith could do it. No, His faith moves mountains. The mountains of doubt, the mountains of hardness, the mountains of unbelief. That's what His faith does. And it's constantly fighting for us. Because it's the faith of Christ. Unrelenting strength. Power. Now there's a place I like to go to show you what the fight of faith is. It'll be familiar to you, and it's in 1 Samuel 17. If you know what's in 1 Samuel 17, you know that that's the story or the account of David and Goliath. And we love to tell that story. I've probably told it many times in my life as I have four children, all different ages, and we went through it and taught it in school and But you think about this shepherd boy. You think about this one that's young in his life. But he already has been arrested. And he already knows about his Lord. Even at this young age. He knows what the fight of faith is. Because he's already down to bear. And a lion by this time. Think about that a minute. A bear and a lion. Two things that we already see that if we're left to ourselves to fight, we're going to lose. But the fight of faith always overcomes obstacles and enemies bigger than we are. All of those enemies that Christ has defeated, every one of them are stronger than we are. Our flesh is stronger, will overpower us at times. Sin does that. The devil does that. The world does that. But greater is He that's in us, in the, in the child of God, than He, the little H, the devil, the world, that's in the world. Greater is He. So let's just pick up in 45. This is well after they've met and David is, you know, now the Philistine... Uh, um, Goliath is upset. He, well, we'll start in 43. He says... Am I a dog that thou come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. That's the way our enemies approach us. With death. With certain death and horrificness of what's going to happen to us. Then said David to the Philistine, This little boy... To this big, big man. This big giant of a man. Who, as you see, has never been defeated. Never. And David says to him, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now carnally, Speaking to you now, I say that's not much of a fight. Don't bring a name to a a sword fight. But he brought a name. That's what faith does. It brings the name of Christ to our mind. It brings the name of Christ and writes it upon our soul. It says, this is the army I fight in. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, 
This is what faith speaks. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that what? David is stronger than any man in the world? No. That there is a God in Israel. The God in Israel. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith did this in David. That's what, that's what Hebrews 11 tells us. And then we know it in 47. He says, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. What is, being, what is carrying that sword and that spear? Hands. The hands of man. I wield this, uh, I wield this sword. I have this power. David says, My Lord, don't save that. It's not of him that willeth or of him that runneth, but it's him that showeth mercy. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. So here it is. For the battle is the Lord's. David didn't go out there in himself. He didn't go out there in his shepherd knowledge. Doesn't matter how old David was. Didn't that, oh, you know, the wisdom of man. Oh, he's too young. Oh, he's, there's nothing to him. You know what he had? He had faith fighting for him. He had the Lord Jesus Christ as his armor. That's what he had. You know what, dear ones? That's what we have. And faith will reveal that to you in the time of need. Faith will reveal that to you because Christ is faithful. He's faithful and true. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. My goodness. Faith moved mountains. Little boy runs right to the army and to the Philistine. Say, that that, that doesn't even make sense. If we saw it in the movie, we wouldn't believe it. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And David put his hand in his bag and he took thence a stone. And he slung it. And he smote the Philistine in his forehead. That the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon his face to the earth. And David, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And he smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. All the weapons and things that man says, this is how you win the victory in this life. David picks up a stone. The Lord that day said, I'm going to use means, but not the means of man. Tell you what, pick up that stone. And he guided that stone to the forehead of the enemy. Therefore David ran, and he stood upon the Philistine, and he took his sword, and he drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off the head therewith. There's something very deep there about the sword cutting off the head of the enemy. 
We're told in Ephesians 6 that we have a sword, the sword of the Spirit. That's how we're going to cut off the heads of the enemy too. So we're not going to hear that voice anymore. That's what faith does. And when the Philistine, the enemy, saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Resist the devil and he shall flee from thee. That's the power. That's what faith does. That's why I said this, this faith fight, it's real. It really is. Now let me tell, let me show you one more place. And of course it's a Hebrews eleven. But let's go to the end of Hebrews eleven. We know we, we know, as I said, we, we can go to all the accounts and in, in faith and and we can see how it's the faith of the Lord and how he brought all these people through. But I just want to pick up today in 32 and read to the end. This is how faith fights. And what more shall I say? That's what Paul said. And what shall I I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also. We just heard about David. And Samuel and of the prophets who through faith by faith, subdued kingdoms. Faith fights. Fight the good fight of faith. It's not fight the good fight. That would put it on us, wouldn't it? It's your fight. No, it's not my fight. The battle is the Lord's, David said. That's what faith reveals to us. The battle is His. He's fought for me. He will deliver me. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. What is that? It's Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. That's what faith lays hold on. You're going to see that in just a minute. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. To be martyred. And you think about all of those things. and just I, I do it all the time. How? How? This is how. That's what faith is. Of whom the world was not worthy. And this world is not worthy of the saints of God. They're not. They're not worthy of Christ. They showed you that when they crucified Him. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens. I think I I missed one sentence here. Being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Tell me you don't identify with that. Of course you do. That's, That's in this warfare. We're destitute. We're afflicted. We're tormented. What's the victory in that? Christ. The faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, this is, this is the miraculous thing Paul says. They received not the promise. They didn't have the, the 
incarnation of Christ in front of them. That Paul does. Paul's on this side of the resurrection. Paul's on this side of Christ being born. Paul's on this side of Jesus dying on the cross. They didn't. They didn't have that. But the text tells us they justified just like we are. It's the same faith. The faith to look to Christ to come. The faith that David was fought in, he knew it was Christ's faith. No difference. They received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us. Yeah, the better thing, the manifestation of Christ. But were they, were they, um, did they not get saved the same way? Did they not have eternal life? Did, they, did that faith not lay hold of Christ and eternal life? No. That's what he says. That they without us should not be made perfect. Or we're all together. We're all justified the same way. We're justified by the blood of Christ. We're justified by the life and righteousness of Christ. We're justified by the obedience of Christ. All of us. From the very first to the very last. Wherefore, verse chapter 12, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses that he just spoke of in 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That's unbelief. That's the sin that easily besets us. He just told us how strong faith is. What is faith's number one enemy? Unbelief. And let us with patience a fruit of Christ again. Run with patience the race, the fight that is set before us. Looking unto, away unto, doesn't matter. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the one who birthed the faith, the one who gives the faith, the one who's fighting for us. And He doesn't leave us in the battle to say, okay, I gave you that faith, now you go exercise it, as many religionists tell you today. That's not, I don't want that, Lord. I don't want nothing leaving me to myself. I need this one who fights for me. I need this one who's the author and the finisher. The one who starts it, brings me through the battle, and finishes the battle. That's who I need. the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy of the salvation of His people that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's why Paul put that in it, because that's where faith leads us. To the birth the re- that Jesus came to save sinners, that He died on the cross for the sins of His people, that He rose again to defeat all of their enemies, and that they're perfectly justified in Christ, that He ascended upon the right, uh, to the right hand, and He's interceding as our intercessor, as our mediator today on the, um, the right hand of the throne of God. That's where Christ is, reigning as a king. That's what faith lays hold of. That's what how faith fights. What is that revealing to us, eternal life? And then verse 3 says, For consider him. Yes, consider him, please. That endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. 
Consider what Christ went through. As it gets hard in this life, faith says to you, this is your Lord who went first. He said you will have tribulation. He said, take up your cross and follow me. And then faith says, it's my cross to bear. The Lord Jesus will bear it for me. And he does. And the last heading is, it's a good fight. That's what Paul said. Fight the good fight of faith. Now today, we've had wars over oil. We got a war that may or may not start any day over land and territorial rights and, and rights of man over to lord over other men. Those are not righteous fights. Paul says this is a good fight. There is a good fight. There are bad wars. There are bad things. There are unjust reasons. There's, there's fighting over power and greed and, and the color of skin. And all of these things are not righteous fights for any Christian. What is a righteous fight? What is good? Well, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, Paul writes, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. If our warfare, if the one who's brought us into warfare were fighting with his, if it's his battle and it's his weapons, it must be a good warfare. He supplies the weapons. He supplies the way. He supplies the victory. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not tangible. They're not for us to fight with our hands. But they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, which we have, and every high thing, that's what pride and self-righteousness, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Faith always obeys. The child of God loves to hear about obedience, must, um, loves to walk in obedience because he knows it's his Lord's obedience. That's what faith reveals to us. And obedience is not showing our favor or procuring favor t- from God because of what we've done in our works. It's the fruit of what he's done in our soul. It's his fight. Yes, we don't shy away from that. We love obedience because the Lord reveals to us that is the fruit of Christ in our life and in our soul. Praise God for that. Turn me over to Ephesians 6 real quick. Getting late here, so we're going to speed this up a little bit. Ephesians 6, of course, is the armor, so I'm not going to go into the armor. I just wanted to show you how this starts. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You don't need to get to the armor if you don't have that. If you're not standing in the power of His might. If He hasn't put the the armor on, which the armor is Christ. I mean, we don't even need to talk about a sword or anything like that. We don't need to talk about battle instruments. We need to talk about righteousness. We need to talk about faith. We need to talk about the gospel. We need to talk about the word of God. 
That's what Christ is to the people of God. That's what, that's what faith reveals to us. That's the power of the Lord to show us to stand in this. Stand in Christ. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Then we can put on the armor, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, one of those enemies. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our warfare. That's the good fight of faith. That's what faith beats down in our life. And then, as I said, our last heading, of course, this morning is laying hold on eternal life. Faith fights for us and lays hold of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the prize. That's what Paul called the prize of the high calling of God. That's what it says in our text. If I can get back over there real quick. That's what it says in our text here. It says, uh, whereunto thou art also called, Timothy. You're called into this. And the child of God is called into this battle, this fight, this, this fight. And he's called into eternal life. That's the gift of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the gift of the Father. How do I know that? Well, Jesus said in John 10, 28 and 29, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. This is the Lord our shepherd saying this. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, who elected them, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Faith lays hold of the preservation that we are in Christ and what we have in Christ Jesus. John 17, 2 says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And 1 John 5, 11 says, This is the record that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in His Son. That's what eternal life is. The life in Christ Jesus. The life of Christ Jesus. It's not things. It's not going to some great fishing hole in heaven or whatever else. The eternal life in Christ is laying hold of Christ. It's the life of Christ. It's, it's union with Christ in eternity. With all the saints and with the triune. Faith's fight leads us to lay hold of Christ and the eternal life that's in Him. It reveals that life is in Him. It's what Jesus said to Martha. You believest thou this? Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you? Faith reveals that. And if you have that, faith is fighting for you. And faith will deliver you faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully, my prayer for all of us is at the end of our lives, at the end of our pilgrimage, at the end of the race, that we can all say with Paul in 2 Timothy 4, where we'll end this morning, 2 Timothy 4, Paul's almost last words on the face of this earth that are written down. Verse 7 says, or we'll start at 6, For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. 
I have fought a good fight. That's the fight of faith. I have finished my course. That's the course the Lord has laid up for us in our lives. And I pray that we can. We can look at our lives, at the end of our lives, or during our lives, and say, Lord has fought for me. The Lord has carried me all of these days. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Probably more accurate to say that the faith has kept you, Paul. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's eternal life. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. At His appearing. At that final day. That's what Paul lived for. And guess what? It's not just for him. And not to me only. See His love for the saints. But unto all them also that love His appearing. Oh, may the Lord reveal us that eternal life and may the fight of faith lay hold of it. Our text one more time. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I'll say this in the end, that the profession of faith, as we heard that was shipwreck and others, it wasn't a true profession. The profession of faith that brings the child of God all through life, this will be his mantra. This will be his life's goal. This will be his testimony. That all the all my life, the Lord Jesus Christ has fought for me, and I've lived by His faith, and He has defeated all of my enemies, and all the witnesses around that are the children of God will rejoice and say Hallelujah. May the Lord work this in us, and may He reveal the depth that's in this text this morning, dear Heavenly Father. At Thy power, Thy clarity. And Lord, reveal to us this day truly that Thou art fighting for us. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.